Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Would you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 11? Let's continue our study there. We have been seeing some of the great examples that were listed by the author of Hebrews. We actually aren't told who the author of Hebrews is. We know it was inspired by the Holy Ghost, and that's really all that matters. Now, we come to verse 32. When we come to the time in Israel's history when they are being oppressed, they've come into the promised land, but they have not cleared the promised land of all of the inhabitants. And the Lord had instructed them that if they would leave these ones that were idol worshipers, ones that followed false gods, that it would become a snare. It would become like a prick, a thorn in their eye. This is what it would be like if they would allow that sin to remain in the land. I can't even handle a little piece of dust in my eye. A little grain of sand is annoying. But a thorn, a briar thorn, stuffed in your eye, that's how bad it would be if they would leave these people that were worshiping these false gods. God knew it would defile them. And so we see verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Japheth and David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms and performed acts of righteousness and obtained promises and shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and from weakness were made strong and became mighty in war and put foreign armies to flight. Some of our new believers don't know any of these stories, so welcome to one of the most fabulous stories of the first guy in the list. His name is Gideon. And we're going to turn to the book of Judges chapter 6. You know, he's only mentioned... From chapter 6 to chapter 8. But I'll tell you, these are juicy chapters. Because by faith, this man Gideon did some things that I think would really help us, young and old Christians alike, to see what did this man do by faith. Just being a believer and living in this world, you're going to face different situations. Some, as we're going to see, will even involve you and your family, you and your community, and how you respond. This man Gideon is really good for us to study about because he responded to these things by a stirring of God's Holy Spirit. Judges 6, verse 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian for seven years. And the power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midian, the sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves that were in the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east, and they would go against them. They would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. And they would leave no sustenance in Israel, as well as no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like locusts for number, for both they and their camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to devastate it. Some of you say, that's really mean he would tell them to take out these people. But if you studied the practices of these people, you'd say, no, it was really kind. He told them, get them out. Because if you leave those kind of folks around that would take their children and put their children into the arms of these molten images and burn their babies alive and do hyenas things, God was saying, I don't want their wickedness to corrupt you. Jesus said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of this wickedness left in the land would ruin this beautiful promised land that God had for them. 
Remember, everything happened to them happened to them for whose example? Ours. And they were in that land and they had tolerated sin. The sin in the camp of these people they were to take out. They didn't purge the sin. And the sin had begun to leaven the lump of Israel. In fact, Israel, it says, verse 1, was doing evil in the sight of the Lord. 250 years after this miraculous entrance, deliverance by God, victory, they've kind of forgotten about the Lord. And so the Lord has now allowed those ones that they were supposed to get rid of to turn and become a prick, a thorn in their eye, a pain to the nation of Israel. In fact, they're all living in the mountains, in the caves. They're hiding. And when their crops would come time to be harvested, the Midianites would go, all right, those guys grew the food. Let's go down and we'll just take it. And while we're at it, we'll take their livestock and their animals. And they came down to rip off the food, but they didn't want to just rip it off and go home and let the Israelites replant and start over and come back the next year for more free produce. No, they had a goal. They came down to destroy. Like they wanted to get rid of the Israelites. They came down, as we read in the end of verse 5, even they came into the land to devastate it. Now, this is a picture of something taking place in the nation of Israel that is for our example. We face spiritual battles. How many of you understand that there is a spiritual warfare that takes place as we go through this life? Remember, Paul wrote, put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of rights. Why did he tell us, put on armor? Because we're going to war. He didn't say, put on the spiritual pajamas. This is a slumber party. Let's all get together and get goofy and stay up all night and we'll have holy laughter parties. There's a battle going on. And there's an enemy with an intent, like the intent of the Midians, the Midianites that are coming against Israel. Their intent wasn't just to rip them off and then come back and let them rebuild and then come back to rip them off again. No, their intent was to destroy. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, Satan came to kill, to rob, and destroy. Now, Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. But we'd be foolish if we thought there is no devil. You know, I'm always amazed when I meet people that tell me, oh, there's not really a devil. Or if they believe there is, he's somehow in a red pajama suit with a little pitchfork running around. It's cute. And they think the pitchfork is like the ones that they see at the grocery store around the Halloween time. Dull and blunt and couldn't hurt you if you stabbed someone with it. It just fold over because it's so wimpy. There are some people, I believe, that the devil would love you to think that that's a good depiction of him. That he's some guy that just has red pajamas and pretty much is not so harmful. You know, he, you don't have to be afraid. He would love for you to be comfortable with the idea he could be around you. And that he wouldn't really hurt you. But don't be fooled. The devil is not some little guy in red pajamas. The Bible says that he can appear as an angel of light. But what people forget is... Even when he appears to look good, he has a mission. And nobody knew his mission better than Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus said his mission was to come to kill, to rob, and to destroy. He does not want to come and make you happy and fulfilled. He does not want to come and give you something good that's going to bless your life. He will only entice you with things that look good in order to suck you into a snare that will wind up bringing you death. 
who's going to rob you, well, that'll bring you the pain of loss. And if he's going to destroy you, which is his ultimate goal, just like the Midianites' goal was to Israel, they wanted to devastate and destroy them. We need to wake up and put on the full armor of God. I hope you're all ready to suit up for a spiritual battle because there are spiritual battles that take place. And this man, Gideon, is a great place to start with an example of a spiritual battle that takes place. This man, Gideon, is going to face a battle before we hear of a bigger battle. Let's read this together. Verse 6 says, So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, It was I who brought you out of Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. It is I who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. And then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash and Abiezerite and his son Gideon. He was beating out the wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Wait a minute. He's beating out the wheat in the winepress. Now, generally, wine presses were in a covered, shaded area, hidden, cool temperature that you could work and labor and put the grapes in and press them out. And so this man, Gideon, he's in the wine press and he's threshing his wheat. And an angel of the Lord comes to him. Oh, valiant warrior, the Lord is with you. Then Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Why am I hiding in the wine press, threshing out some wheat so that the Midianites won't find me and won't catch me and take away my wheat? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. You ever felt like that? Where is God? Where is the God that did all these miracles? Listen, if you've ever felt like that, you are going to love this study today. Because here's a guy who flat out tells an angel, well, where's the Lord? Where is he? How come he's not showing his might and his power for my life? But there is a reason why he was not. Does anyone remember verse 1 of this chapter? Israel was doing evil. The Bible teaches us from this example. When we sin, psalmist wrote, Is my sin what has separated me from thee, O God? It's our sin that makes God seem so distant. It's like putting up a barricade between us and God. We sin, and we think our sin is some kind of privilege, and instead our sin becomes a barricade. It breaks that sweet relationship, that communion that we can have with our Maker. And Gideon's saying, well, where is God? And then we read, the Lord looked at him and said, Go in this, your strength, and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. Generally, were the youngest called on to be the leaders, leaders in a community? No, you never got the youngest boy. In Jewish culture, who gets the leadership job? The oldest. This man, Gideon, was not the oldest. The youngest in a family that he says, I'm the least. In fact, I'm the least in the tribe of Manasseh. I'm like nothingville here. And God goes, I can use that. 
We read verse 16, but the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, if now I found favor in thy sight, then show me a sign that it is thou who speaketh with me. Please do not depart from here until I come back to thee. Can God give a sign when we need a sign? Yes. Sometimes today people forget how a living, real creator who created all of us, who knows us all intimately, as Jesus declared, who knows the very number of hairs on our head. He knows even the thoughts from the intents of the heart. His word is so able to divide asunder these things. We forget that we're dealing with the living God who made us, who made you, who made you wired the way you are and even knows how to reveal himself to you in a way that you can recognize is God. Verse 19, we read, Then Gideon went in, he prepared a kid, an unleavened bread, an epath of flour, and he put meat in one basket and a broth in a pot, and he brought them out under the oak, and he presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And so he did so. And then the angel of the Lord put out the end of his staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. You need a little encouragement? Put the meat there. Pour the broth over. Get it nice and wet. Don't want any hocus-pocus here. And then he makes the rock ignite. He takes it up by fire, and the angel of the Lord disappears. Now, when Gideon saw this, that it was an angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord. He named it, The Lord is Peace, Jehovah Shalom. To this day it is still in Orpha of the Abiezrites. And that same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal. Or in English, I'm going to say Baal, the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asheroth that is beside it. They worship Baal, Baal, this false god, a cruel god, actually, and master. In fact, he demanded to be called Baal, which means master. And they worshiped another god, Asheroth, which was usually a carved-out statue of a woman with multiple breasts, as if by having many breasts she would be the female symbol for fertility, the goddess of love and fertility. And who's got this whole altar thing set up, by the way? His own father. He's not supposed to be worshiping Baal and Ashtaroth. That's ridiculous. He's supposed to be worshiping the living God. He's an Israelite. But Gideon has his own father worshiping these things. And so the Lord says, take your dad's bull and take another bull seven years old and go and pull down this altar and build an altar on top of it to the Lord, the Lord your God, on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner. Now, I love that it says, on top of this stronghold. Some people say, well, it's not a stronghold. It's just a private little place of worship that the Father has set up. You know, some people like to have their little worship spots. They manicure in the backyard a little place of worship and they make a little altar and things and that's their own private thing don't get after them for that but let me tell you god says i am a jealous god and thou shall have no other gods before me can anyone tell me out of the ten commandments which in the list that is one through ten number one two five that's number one 
Guys, if it's number one on the list, I got to tell you, you don't want to be breaking the first one on the list. They're breaking the first rule. So Gideon says, listen, you want me to go tear down my dad's thing and take the second bull and offer it as an offering with the wood that is the wood of the Asheroth? We're going to use the wooden carving of the gal and burn her for the firewood to burn up the bull. Hmm. Verse 27 tells us, then Gideon took 10 men of his servants and he did as the Lord had spoken to him because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down, and the Ashtaroth which was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. And they said to one another, Who did this thing? And when they searched out about and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. And the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, for he has torn down the altar of Baal, and indeed he has cut down the Asherah which was beside it. Now, wait a minute. These guys are not supposed to be worshiping false idols. I think that comes up in the list like really soon after number one. Thou shalt make no graven image or false idol and bow down and worship it. For you should worship only the Lord your God. Well, He's got the city in an uproar, but he's starting in his own family's house. Everyone seems to remember Gideon from the battle that's recorded in the next chapter. But they don't realize before he ever went to war, leading the nation, he had to deal with some sin that was in his own family's camp. Sometimes we want to be used mightily for God. Oh, God, put me up there. Let me be used to lead. I'll take the pastor's job. He's feeling sick. He needs my help. I can lead. God says, before you do, we got to take care of some sin in your own house. And it might not be your sin. It might be the sin of some other family member, but it's in your house. And before you get to go to battle for the nation, guess who God wants you to battle for first? Your house. Guys, the first place that the battle takes place is on the ball field of our house. It's a scary place for us. But until you're proven in that battle, you can forget going against the city and the town. Because the Lord will usually call you to be a light right where he put you. And like it or not, and most of us don't like it, that we had no choice of the siblings we got. We just got stuck with them. We're not even some of us happy with the parents we got, but we got stuck with them too. And you might not even like the children you got. But let me tell you what. This is the place of battle that God puts assignment for Gideon to take care of first. And Gideon is told, go tear down this altar. Now, Joash, deluded by his sin, he had to have been. He was worshiping Baal. He's got an Ashtaroth. He's got a female symbol of deity right there in his own house. He's got the Baal he's worshiping. This guy is deceived. And it takes his son to wake him up. And Joash says to all those that came the town and said, Bring us out your son who did this. We're going to kill him. Joash says to them, Will you contend for Baal or will you deliver him? Whoever will plead for Baal shall be put to death by morning. And if he is a god, then let him contend for himself because someone has torn down his altar. You know, it took the work of his own boy to make dad wake up and realize he was worshiping false gods. And maybe it takes something that severe to wake him up, but it worked. It made dad come to life. It made dad go, wait a minute. If Baal is really God, then let Baal fight for himself. Because the God of the Bible, when people were on him and they did it wrong and he didn't want them around, he could take care of them. 
But maybe that's what it took the trip switch, you know, in his mind to make him wake up. They're going to kill my boy over this. And maybe in his life he was going, it's just a little bit of falseness. It's not really going to hurt. It's like just a little bit of sin that we let be in our lives. Well, Asheroth, that was the female carving of this multi-breasted goddess. It had affected the land. It had crept into the lives of the Israelites. There was men that were actually having little statues of these female gals in the yard with altars built to them. But when dad realizes they want to kill his son over him getting rid of the porno, see, maybe the porno was okay for him. He thought it's not going to hurt anything. That's what usually happens with men. They get deluded by pornography. They think that it's only for me. It's just a little excitement for me. It's not going to hurt anybody. The Bible says whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, let your mind dwell on these things. It doesn't say let it dwell on the things of the flesh, the carnal things. Guys, if you can receive it, I have seen so many gals devastated. Wives, when they learn that their husbands have been keeping a little private altar to pornography. Oh, it's not an altar. It's just hidden under the bed or in the bathroom or at work or on their computer. And they think it doesn't do anything except for when the wife finds out. How does she feel? Not too good. It's a compromise that God did not call us to. And he's going to call Gideon into battle. But before he does, there's a little leaven in the camp that has to be taken care of. And he starts with the house and he says, we're going to get rid of this. Let's get rid of this first because this, this is not really getting you my favor. Gideon's going, how do I know God's really there and he's really with me? God goes, I want to show you. So he gives him a sign. He accepts that offering of the meat and the bread. And then he says, now let's get rid of the porno. Let's get rid of the sin. Let's get rid of the idolatry, this false idols. There is nothing in our house that we should have except the things what are to serve the Lord. And come the next day, the town is mad. They want to kill poor Gideon over this. But Joash, Joash must have had a change of heart. And he tells them, you let Baal contend for himself. In fact, verse 32 tells us that on that day, he changed Gideon's name. Son, instead of calling you Gideon, I'm going to call you Yerubbabel. But what was he saying? He was saying, I'm not going to take my son's life, and I'm not going to let you take my son's life. In verse 33, then all the Midianites, the Amalekites, the sons of the east, assembled themselves, and they crossed over and camped at the valley of Jezreel. And so the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezerites came together and followed him. And he sent the messengers throughout Manasseh, and they also called them together to follow him. And the messengers of Asher and Zebulon and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And then Gideon said to God, If thou wilt deliver Israel through me as thou hast spoken, if you're really going to do this, the people are starting to assemble, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there is dew on the fleece only and is dry all around the ground around, then I will know that thou wilt deliver Israel through me, just as thou hast spoken. When he arose early the next morn, he squeezed the fleece and he drained from it the dew that was in the fleece, a bowl full of water. That thing was wringing wet. Then Gideon said to God, do not let thine anger burn against me that I might speak once more. But please let me make a test one more time with the fleece. Just one more fleece. I got to really make sure this is what you want me to do. Lead these people. 
Only this time, let's let the fleece be dry and let there be dew on the ground all around. Let the ground get soaked, and but the fleece has to stay dry this time. I just got to make sure you're really with me, God. Now, you might not think of this kind of a sign for you, but how many of you have ever said to God, I need you to show me you're really with me? And maybe you had your own fleece like Gideon. Maybe it wasn't really the fleece thing. Maybe it was, God, if you're really with me, then you'll have this happen. Or if you really want me to talk to that person, you'll make them call right now. Or if you really want me to forgive them, then you let me run into them. Now, is this bad in our Christian experience to rely on a living God who wired us and knows us? I submit to you from this text, the answer is positively no. There is nothing wrong with asking God to direct you. In fact, he gave you his Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and comfort you and teach you. He desires to be involved in your life. And so many people hunger for God and they wonder, is he really there? And I'm here to tell you, he's really there. And they want to know, can he really direct me even in my daily activity? Could he be with me and help me to go in the right course of my life? What's the answer? Yes. So verse 40 says, and God did so that night, for it was dry only on the fleece and the dew was all on the ground all around. The Lord goes, I can do that. But there's a reason he's doing it, because he's going to now lead Gideon into a place where Gideon will lead the nation into a battle. And yet I'll show you how mighty a man can be used in the mighty ways of God, in his great economy, when we just will say, God, if you're really there, show me. And when he shows you, will you really do what he shows you to do? Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord or at our podcast site, CelebrateTheLord.org. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.